I have come here to Krakowie, and I'm all out of bubble. Really licked his ass. Are you watching closely? That's Luke, and this week Houston is joining us to go over the movie we watched at midnight, which was Bruce Tim and Eric Radomski's Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Wasn't worth it, that's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling. Luke. Gotham City. What kind of introduction does one of the greatest fictional cities deserve? Well, let's just say that we know Bruce Wayne has been Batman for about a decade now. Oh, dude. I just spoiled it before we got to the spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, sorry. So Bruce Wayne is Batman, if you didn't know. Anyway, Batman has been Batman for a hot minute, and suddenly all of the old mob bosses from before Batman's time have slowly started to be picked off by a new vigilante who conveniently looks very similar to Batman. We also have not seen this vigilante in the animated universe before. Batman is soon blamed for the murders that this uh, new vigilante has been doing, and Batman must not only clear his name, but uncover who this new villain is. Yeah. Spot on, Luke. Spot on. Yeah. Thank so, you. <laughs> uh, we watched the trailer, and he's, maybe you can give your input on this too, but I just, I, I didn't feel anything special about it, which isn't a bad thing. It's rather it be a little bit forgettable than be ridiculously terrible or revealing. This one isn't revealing at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of played like not like a movie. It was like a video game almost yeah. or a new Batman toy or something. Yeah, it's just like, and, and the, the thing that you noticed that was the funniest part was that it said for Christmas instead of yeah. coming out on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, it said for Christmas at the end of the trailer, which we thought was really interesting. But yeah, it, it was just a lot of a lot of text across the screen, which I know when I was a kid and I first saw this movie, I couldn't freaking read so like you know text across the screen would not be very engaging for me as who the target audience yeah. who the target audience is for so yeah it was not a great trailer but honestly i don't think at that point in time we had realized just how um a powerful a trailer can be and how mm -hmm. motivating it can be to get people because i've gone and seen movies because of trailers in recent years yeah a lot of times i've been disappointed but you know that's part of what's gotten me to the theater has been the trailer so yeah it kind of fell flat on the trailer here and you gotta remember too because this was released i mean when people were kids i think we all three were watching the animated series mm -hmm. so it's like we knew what we knew it was up right, <laughs> you know yeah, like right, you didn't yeah, you just need to tell us batman was in a thing and yeah. we were there you know? <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> and i would like to note too this this section of the show because i don't know if i've brought it up is i specifically created because i saw a movie called the cold light of day which makes it look like Bruce Willis is going to be in the whole movie, right? It's like, oh, classic Bruce Willis action. He dies within two minutes of it. It's the worst <laughs> movie I've ever seen in my life. All right, moving right on. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, this uh, this movie was written by several different people, but the story was by uh, Alan Burnett. Um, and then uh, like Martin Pascal worked on it and Michael Reeves worked on it and Paul Dini worked on it. Um, if you've ever thought an episode of Batman, the animated series was really good. There's a solid chance it was written by Paul Dini. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the, the Batman, the animated series has so many great storylines. And I feel like guys like Paul Dini sort of motivated other uh, writers and creators that were sort of handling these these animated projects for kids shows and sort of inspired them to be something more. So you sort of saw in the following decades, you know, Dave Filoni, who worked on uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars. I mean, he took that what was supposed to be just another kids show designed to sell toys uh, and he made it into like a compelling story experience yeah. that was good supplemental material to Star Wars. So, yeah. But I feel like these guys uh, on the Batman and DC team really kind of started that trend. No, I definitely totally agree, agree dude. To totally agree. That's why it's one of the greatest animated series of all time, because it's just as much for us now as it was when we were like eight years old getting hyped watching cartoons. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, especially uh, considering the directors for that, uh, Bruce Tim. And Eric Radomski, um, I think, definitely paved the way for that type of thing, too. Bruce Tim pretty much stuck to DC, directing and producing for most of his life. Um, a huge amount of animated programs he did, like the original Batman series, Batman Beyond, which is probably my favorite Batman thing ever. Uh, Superman and a lot more. And then Eric Radomski, he worked with DC a little bit, but then he pretty much went and did the exact same thing, but for Marvel. So it's... You know, worlds collide, sort of. It's a small world in this case. Everybody's cutting up this pie. Mm -hmm. So, look, look, who we got, who we got in this movie? Anybody we know? Um, well, you know, first off, got to give two people the respect they deserve. In my opinion, Kevin Conroy is Batman. Period. I'm yeah. sorry, yep, Christian Bale. <laughs> sorry, Michael Keaton. Kevin Conroy is Batman. And you know who's the Joker? I'm sorry, it might be a hot take, but to me, there's only one Joker, and it is Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill. You know, you you got to give respect to Heath Ledger. Jack Nicholson did his own thing, and we got so many incarnations <laughs> of the Joker, but I really think that this Mark Hamill laugh is just so goddamn terrifying, and every time that the Joker is on the screen in the animated series, it's no wonder why he's in this movie as well. Yeah, another another member of the cast that I sort of added in uh, at the last second uh, was uh, Abe Vigoda, who plays one of the one of the mob bosses uh, that's sort of central to the story. And and uh, if you've ever seen The Godfather, Abe Vigoda plays uh, Salvatore Tessio, who's one of the high ranking members of the Corleone uh, mafia really family, guy that's really bald. skinny guy, the one yeah. that they clap that they clap at the yeah. end. Spoiler alert! You know, can you give me one for a full time sake, Mike? No, sorry, <laughs> shoot his ass. Uh, but yeah, so so it's cool that they 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 made a, a mob movie for Batman, but and then and they actually got Put a dude that was in mob monsters, movies yeah. to play in the Batman. It's movie. like it they cool. cared. It's like yeah. they cared. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then um, I I didn't go through the whole cast because like um, Jim Gordon and like Harvey Bullock and all those people are the same voices as in the animated series but i put in um dana delaney as andrea beaumont and hart boschner as arthur reeves because those were the two kind of new characters uh for mask mm -hmm. of the phantasm that aren't in the animated series but i mean honestly you just got to know that kevin conroy and mark hamill are in this movie and you gotta watch it yeah and uh for the theme of this movie it gets this movie's got a bit of depth to it so it, this theme might seem a little simplistic but it's because the angle we're looking at for this one so it's essentially bruce wayne 
making a better life for himself as Bruce Wayne. That's the important thing to note. It's not him as Batman making Gotham City a better place or giving those people a better life. It's him sort of on the opposite axis that he usually is. Well, everybody, now we got to do a thumbs up or down. What, what are we giving this one? Easy if it isn't up. clear. <laughs> easy, easy thumbs up. Yeah, easy thumbs up. I mean, I've been watching this movie since I you know, was in diapers. Um, it, it, it holds a very special place in my heart. But, um, I mean, watching it as an adult, I mean, yes, I still have that nostalgia getting getting triggered really hard. The member berries are strong with this one, but but, member, but it's do you member. No, but it's a good movie. Yeah, thumbs up, totally. Yeah, definitely is. And uh well before Houston says anything else, we've got this. Spoiler alert. Alright, so um <laughs> I'm not sure we need to go into the title for this one because it seems a little straightforward. Uh, the main uh, villain of it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a mask of a phantasm. Uh, <laughs> roll credits. It's a, <laughs> it's a mask, and there's uh, some phantasming happening. Yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's dive right into it, Luke. What what, what do you want to bring? In? You know, man. I think I want to start off by saying, "Mask of the Phantasm," and I don't say this lightly. Is the perfect Batman movie for a very specific reason. And it's a reason that's different than why the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight is one of the greatest Batman movies of all time. I feel like Mask of the Phantasm was written by people who really cared about Batman, really cared about Bruce Wayne, and understood the character that he is and the struggles he has to go through. And what I love about this movie is that it didn't you know, play with these themes in a lame way. It didn't play with these themes in a way that, like, we have seen a hundred times before. We have a new character who not only mirrors Bruce Wayne, but mirrors Bruce Wayne in a pretty terrible way that divides Bruce Wayne and Batman from every other hero that we talk about in terms of, like, superheroes. Because for me, the thing about Batman is that he doesn't kill people, period. We're going to get into, like, you know, Batfleck and Schneider and, like, all, all the, like, jokes in the YouTube videos you can watch of Batman killing people. But all that aside, I think that the character study of Bruce Wayne is that he doesn't want to fall into the abyss, as Alfred puts it, and become a person who could kill mob bosses like the Phantasm ends up doing. So, for me, the way to start this review is just saying I think this is the perfect Batman movie. Hmm. I'm going I'm going to get off that point a little bit to something you mentioned which is just sort of how the same story we see a million times over especially with these heroes it's kind of like especially in recent use of heroes it's like they see something that works other directors do other writers do and they're like okay how many times can we redo this I'm talking about um the latest installment of the DC universe with the whole uh uh, blah 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 what's the schneider's cut and all that crap it's sort of it wait really wait isn't... wait rob schneider directed justice league yeah yeah <laughs> rob schneider he's a stapler and he's a director uh, <laughs> but it, it's sort of like the whole issue surrounding superman isn't really about a sort of a typical superman issue it's literally about a dr manhattan issue yeah, yeah. like they sort of took that concept and just gave it the overlay of, yeah, well, Superman has that issue too now. 
when it really wasn't a big confrontational thing in, in a lot of the media surrounding him. It's just like, oh, well, it worked here, so let's put it somewhere else. Your take, Houston, on uh, uh Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it, it's so tough, right? Because there's so many. We're, we're just now starting to see because there's literally a movie or a mini series that's being made for every side character and yeah. whatever. And, and so... Still waiting on Moon Knight. You know, yeah, still waiting <laughs> on Moon Knight. That's, that's a good example, though. It, but it's, it's hard to give a sense of originality to those new stories because a lot of them are so similar, right? Like mm-hmm. Superman, Dr. Manhattan is just essentially a, a parody of yeah. pastiche of Superman. And so, and you know, Watchmen might be a bad example because those- that, Or that's, hyperbole. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, it's that's li- literally. <laughs> but, but a lot of these characters do have really similar arcs and uh, you don't really see until- you get into these very diverging different comics, you know, you have to like read the comics to really get to appreciate these characters sometimes because yeah, you know, their origins are so similar. So that's, that's probably part of the challenge is, you know, crap, we've got this source material that's so similar from each other. You know, how do we, you know, augment it, make it better without totally pissing off the fan base? Because I feel like that is a thing that's in the back of these studios minds. A lot of times is they don't want to ruffle any feathers. Certainly not the Star Wars people, and now the Marvel people. You don't you don't screw with those fan bases because they boycott, they outrage, they the, the fan base has a lot of power, you know, in these in these dynamics. Yeah, and so they're kind of fearful. I think I definitely think there was a lot of shuffling with like after Doctor Strange got released, with people bringing the similarities of the script with from Iron Man, where it's like, okay, well now he's just using magic instead right. of. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm probably getting us so off topic. Luke, why don't you bring well, us back a little well, bit? No, see, I don't think you're taking us too far off topic because honestly, I'd like to start with Batfleck, bro. I think Batfleck is the <laughs> worst incarnation of Batman we've seen in the modern era because it literally just throws out everything that Mask of the Phantasm sets up for Batman, bro. And like, okay. Yeah. Maybe it's cool to watch Batman blow up a car with a bunch of bad guys in it, break someone's spine, and break someone's neck, but he's just the Punisher in a giant duster. I hate the duster, by the way. Like, <laughs> but, like dude, to, to me, the most interesting part about Batman is that he doesn't kill the Joker, he doesn't kill Mr. Freeze, he doesn't kill these people who do terrible acts. So when Zack Schneider takes a character like Batman and just makes him kill people because it's cool to watch him kill people in slow motion in a Schneider cut, really kind of pisses me off, honestly, because I feel like you're just creating something that isn't there because you know nash and i like to do a lot of like narrative speak and like character speak and everything and like mask of the phantasm does such a great job describing the struggles of who bruce wayne is and who batman is and when you juxtapose it to his love interest and how she's kind of the same way but she will kill people that's everything interesting about this movie dude so when you have batfleck drive in a car in a giant duster and kill a bunch of people that's not Batman to me. So like, yeah. And and I, I mean, I'd say too, it's like before we get roasted by the people that have read all the comics, I'm sure there is a Batman comic that was made that had 20 issues in 20 in 2013 that has Batman just murdering people. But I'm also willing to guarantee you that that arc didn't happen instantly, that there was actually a story behind it that led us to understand why that was happening rather than just being thrown at us. 
like the kitchen sink. It's a it's a different strand in the multiverse. That's how they'll explain. Yeah, of that. course, it's it always just, is. Yeah, it always is. That's why I say it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's Batman from the other universe. <laughs> but it, it, dude, it's 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 really more important than just being like, oh, Batman doesn't kill people because like to really. To, for me, man, you gotta understand. I'm a Batman boy, bro. You know, not not to be the guy who, who I'm a Bat boy. Not not to be the guy who shits on Marvel, but I just don't find it as interesting. I never was really into like superheroes except for Batman, and I think one of the reasons is because of the animated series when we were younger, dude. Yeah. When mm-hmm. when 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 I hear that intro of of those dudes blowing up that bank and Batman driving there in his uh, car to go beat them up, like the hairs stick up on the back of my neck, bro. So like. Mm-hmm. When honestly, um, I'm trying not to like ramble so much. I love this movie so much. It's hard to go. But like when I watched this movie when I was younger, honestly, I didn't like it as much as I liked it when we watched it the other day, because to me, I didn't understand like what the actual conflict between Batman and who she was. I just thought it was like, oh, of course, the phantasm is his his girlfriend. And oh, Bruce Wayne isn't in love, blah, blah, blah. And when you look at it in like that cynical way, you're not going to really enjoy the meat of this movie. You know what I mean? Like you you, you really got to sit down and be like, no, like she like Alfred puts it perfectly at the end of the movie, dude. When you walk next to the edge of that abyss every night, Master Wayne, but you never fell in. You don't kill people. Vengeance blackened her her soul. Like, that's some hard shit, dude. That's some hard (laughs) shit for an animated series, like, technically made for kids, right? (laughs) Yeah, made for children. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, yeah, it is really dark. And, you know, not just in, in terms of you know, the themes and the dialogue, but just the overall aesthetic, the presentation of it. Uh, it's just dark. Mask of the Phantasm and the, the subsequent animated series were just these very dark in, in tone overall things. And I thought, I, but I thought that's what made it so cool is like, yeah, you can make something dark, but it can also be for kids. And I think that's another reason why the movie and the animated series did so well is like you were able to create this dark, ominous tone but, you know, it wasn't gory or super sexual. Like, they were able to achieve that goal of setting that really grim mood without going too far over the top, which, you know, that's an art form in and of itself. I mean, dude, and even, like, the, you know, the part where the Joker pu- puts the laughing gas on, like, Arthur, and he's just in the hospital bed laughing maniacally. Like, that's nightmare fuel, bro. That's straight up <laughs> nightmare yeah. fuel. And I, like, like... I don't know. Let's let's kind of like bring the conversation back to really talk about like the main themes of who Batman is. Like what what do you guys think about his relationship with um I forget her name, like uh Andrea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Andy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he calls her Andy like like am, am am I wrong in thinking that this is the perfect juxtaposition to who Batman is and that it isn't just a love interest that's going to get kidnapped by the Joker by the end, you know? Like, this is a person who we can really look at and say, wow, this is where Batman could have gone, but he isn't the Phantasm, he's Batman. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's very astute, Luke. Very, very astute indeed. Yeah, because, yeah, she's not just, you know, the damsel, the woman. I mean, she is somebody who, you know, motivated him to, you know, essentially motivated him to become the Batman, whether it was directly or, mm-hmm. or indirectly. I mean, this movie shows, like, he gets rejected and then, boom, it's like all of a sudden he's, he takes that, that, 
that that fear and those negative emotions that he was feeling, you know, from this the love of his life essentially rejecting him and and uses that energy to channel it into being the Batman. So, yeah, you could totally say that yeah, you know, she's she's a good juxtaposition um, you know, in this movie, but she's also like the catalyst for Bruce Wayne becoming the Batman. And so, you know, it, it's it's not just the the manic pixie dream girl helping the 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 guy that's unsure of himself realize his full potential. No, it's like these here are these two very smart, very capable, very personable people that have had a lot of bad stuff go on in their lives, and you know they they motivate each other to yeah. do to do what they both eventually end up doing towards the end of the movie, and and that 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 was super cool. How you know, yeah, it wasn't just the hot babe for Batman to go save. And, you know, just as a quick sidebar, you know, we talk a lot about, or people, not we, not me. But, but <laughs> I don't know those people, people. People within the sort of cancel culture movement will talk about how, you know, there, there haven't been enough strong women in, in superhero movies, so we got to make Captain Marvel a, a woman, you know, and, 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 there's, and there's not, I mean, this, this example, this movie was done in 1993, and it has a badass woman going around murdering mob bosses. Like, <laughs> where, where were the feminists on that one? Like, with this is a this is, with this ma- is, magical fog and mist that I don't yeah, even with her hand. <laughs> she can teleport, and she's a lady. Like, this is like this is women's rights win for me in cinema. Yeah, but but yeah, it, it was it was really cool as a young boy to like you know see that, and you know obviously when I'm. Four or five, I'm not going to be thinking. Oh wow, how progressive what a, what a for having <laughs> for having a woman, you know, be the best. no. But it was cool because it's like you know, as a young kid though, I was like, oh wow, so you know, wow, girls could be cool and badass too. You know, it, it was it was really cool in that respect, and that you know, it's a film that we would consider old, but you know, has this very strong female lead character. And, and to go a bit back to what Luke said, it really sort of highlights that character of. Bruce Wayne slash Batman because, you know, she fell into that violence style, but his sort of fell apart because of her leaving, right? That's the initial reaction we get from him is that he's, you know, committed to the vigilanteism. But as the movie goes on, it's sort of like almost constant that who he is, the events around him, it's impossible for him to have that life no matter what. Yeah, no matter how hard he tries, dude. No matter how hard he tries. Which yeah. is, you know, sad. Can't be happy. Compounding the death of his parents right in front of him again and again and right. again. But yeah. that like that that for a kid's movie, it's like fairly, fairly powerful. Really, if you think about it, it's like he has to be this person because nobody else can. Right. It's almost a destiny thing. Yeah, but that was certainly right. And that's an incredibly important point. And that was most definitely over my head at yeah, four, yeah. five, six years <laughs> yeah. old. What about you, Luke? Were you, yeah, no, did you well, come to that, that, that conclusion I, then? <laughs> I, I remember watching this movie when I was younger and like seriously thinking it was kind of boring. And that's just because I wasn't paying attention to like the real themes of who Batman is. And again, dude, that's why I love it so much is because it isn't a cash grab superhero movie. We know people are going to buy this because it's this character. No, this movie was written by people who care about Batman. Batman and want to put out the best story they possibly could. And like, what is this? Like 23 years later, dude. And we're like raving about this movie because it really is just like so amazing, dude. So let's, let's kind of like make more points as to why it's so amazing. What are you you just going to say, Nash? 
I say it's doing that thing where it's like I know they can do it right because they've done it before, but they just mess up everything now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they just want to make a four-hour movie in slow motion, bro. Well, and it's like you know, one of the things that makes this movie so awesome. If I if I could sort of you know get us in a coherent track because we're kind of all over the place, but I love it because it's such a good movie. As you were saying, Luke, it's hard to sort of focus on one thing. But, you know, we talk about how a lot of these movies are so, you know, commercialized and they're pumped out so quickly. Mm-hmm. And that and that lowers their quality a lot today, you know. This movie, though, start to finish, eight months. Eight months. That's, that's insane. That's insane. To throw this whole thing together. And it's it's not flawless. It's not perfect. It's not, you know, one of the best movies ever. But it's a really, really good Batman movie and one of the better animated Batman, animated superhero movies I've ever seen. And yeah, so for sure. just the, I feel like the, the, the crews at Marvel Studios and stuff have no excuse that they're they're crunch for time because dudes at at you know Warner Brothers got to support the bros at Warner Brothers. <laughs> the bros at Warner um, Brothers always. They uh they, they they did this in 8 months. <laughs> and yeah, just for reference, it would typically take a TV animated movie about 2 years to make. So they made this for release in theaters in 8. <laughs> like that 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 yeah, is ridiculous. That's <laughs> utterly insane, dude. And yo, uh, did you guys uh, either of you see the Killing Joke animated movie that came out a few years ago? Oh, that's yes. the the Batman movie with the the cartoon sex in it. Right? Yeah, garbage. Yeah. Garbage, <laughs> abs- absolute <laughs> yes. garbage, yeah. absolute trash pile. <laughs> that movie's a cash grab because they know that people like me are going to be like, "Well, I like The Killing Joke. Let's see what it looks oh, like yeah. on Blu-ray." And it's absolute garbage because the people writing it didn't understand why the source material was actually good. You know, like the like Paul Dini knows that Batman is good if you focus on who Batman is as a character and why he's different than other superheroes. Well, and I also feel like every villain that Batman faces sort of raises the stakes yeah. for Batman, right? Like how we so? talk about this, well, we talk about this thing in storytelling, how, you know, it doesn't get interesting really unless you raise the stakes. So, you know, for instance, Bane, he wants to help the poor people, you know, in, in Dark Knight Rises, wants to help the poor people, but, like, wants to absolutely demolish the rich, kill, holocaust, the rich people, right? Yeah. And so that provides Batman with a really big challenge, because here's this guy, he's definitely wanting to help the masses, but you can't just, like, take Bane out, because he's gonna, you know, sure, yeah, he's a terrorist, but he's, like, helping a lot of people, too. And then, there, you know, you know, the Joker's always giving him, like, in the Dark Knight, you know, when, you know, he knows that Batman won't kill him, like what Luke was talking about earlier. Like, that's all, you know, Joker is always raising the stakes for Batman. He's putting Batman in compromised situations where he's going to have to either, you know, choose between catching the Joker or letting a bunch of people die or choose between maybe, you know, considering killing the Joker or letting him live. Like, there's all, you know, Batman is a cool hero in that I feel like the storytellers behind Batman throughout time have really made sure that the villain's provide something other than a guy in a new outfit for Batman to face off against. It's it's they, they each provide a new challenge for Batman with his code. Yeah. And that might seem just sort of like a basic principle, but that really, <laughs> like if you look at the Snyder cuts and all that, it, it begs the question, like, why do I care about the Joker? Because Batman is willing to murder everyone in there. Right. Exactly. Does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that character isn't the same because of that very basic principle. <laughs> yeah, right. no, exactly, dude. And while while we're on the Joker, um, I'd like to say that I think the Joker is my favorite part of this movie because the Joker 
isn't in this movie because he's the plot. He serves the plot. And I feel like that is something that also isn't always done in these uh, superhero movies as to where, like, the Joker didn't have a plan to take over Arkham Asylum and have Batman come fight him. Instead, the Joker gets pulled into this story, is a little bored living in robot land, and all of a sudden he's, uh, like, ki killing, like, Sal, and now he's involved in it, and he ends up getting burned in the end, dude. So... Not like I, I thought it was extremely interesting that the Joker doesn't pop up in this movie until 45 minutes in. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's kind of like makes him a more real character just because like, oh, yeah, he, he has to take time in between doing stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's not just scheming all the time. He's, he's trying to chill, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> have a kickback, you know. <laughs> but, you know, they connected him to the main story. Like he's the, the, the bodyguard yeah. slash driver for the mob before he eventually becomes the Joker. And I thought, you know, there are a lot of times in movies where, you know, they go back and add something to the story that makes it kind of odd or seem out of place. For me, this just didn't seem that out of place because Joker's origins are always kind of shrouded in mystery. I yeah. feel like every iteration of the Joker sort of has a unique spin yeah. on his origin. And so I feel like you had a lot of liberty to add him into this story in that way. And, and it sort of it ties everything together in a nice bow, having the Joker sort of be a, a, a metaphorical fly on the wall in these in these meetings with these other mob bosses that are getting that are getting offed at the at the beginning. And it's yeah. so, it's so subtle too, you know. It's mm -hmm. it's not not like they have him like give like a wicked laugh to like uh, An uh, like Andy when she like goes back into her parents' house, like. It's, 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 you know, Schneider just wants to give you everything in slow motion, but you know, that's, that's not always the most. Sometimes doing the most is by not doing the most. Yeah. And honestly, Amen. Like, and that introduction for the Joker, like that's probably my favorite with Michael Keaton. That is probably my favorite, favorite use of like the Joker backstory. I think I, that, hands down, I love that integration with it. That's what makes to me that movie is so cool because of how all that's intertwined. Right. I know a lot of people poop on that movie. Yeah, well, I like that movie. Well, but dude, again, I feel like this review is kind of as Batman as a whole, which I'm totally fine with. But like again, even comparing this movie to the 1989 Batman, Tim Burton didn't want to make. A, a a good Batman movie with the themes of Mask of the Phantasm. He was just given a lot of money to make a Batman movie, and he's all he's on record saying that too. That like he didn't really care about Batman as much, but it was an interesting way for him to tell a superhero story, dude. So like even when you look at the Michael Keaton Batman and like how that movie doesn't really focus on who Bruce Wayne is as a person. It's, it's still a fun ride, but then this movie is literally all about who Bruce Wayne is as a person. And I actually wanted to ask you guys a question. Um, there's kind wow. of a, a theory about Batman that Bruce Wayne is the mask. Bruce Wayne is Batman all the time. And he puts on the mask of Bruce Wayne to go out there and be normal. And in any scene that he's acting like, uh, Bruce Wayne He's, is when he's actually under the cowl pretending to be somebody else. Did you guys see any themes mm. like that riding throughout Mask of the Phantasm? Well, you know, when in that very powerful scene where he first, it's one of those flashbacks where he first puts on the cowl, right? And Arthur, or Arthur, Jesus Christ, Alfred sort of jumps and, and recoils at oh, it and like, kind of gets startled. It's one of the best moments in the whole movie. But it's like, 
I kind of got the sense that one, you know, Alfred isn't startled because the Batman costume is scary. I think he's startled because it's like the first time that he's he's actually seeing Bruce Wayne. Oh, you know? yeah. He's dude. actually seeing the real person, you know, who this this guy is 24-7 rather than, you know, yeah, the the suit and, the, you know, the, the business suit and the the Playboy haircut and all that. Like, yeah, I think he's startled because, ah, this is this is the real Bruce Wayne. And, and, it, and it sort of takes him aback. And he he's he's worried about the abyss, dude. He's 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 worried yeah. that Batman, that that Bruce is going to turn into Batman, even though it's secretly the other way around. And before Batman even knows it, he's just going to be another crazed psychopath out on the streets doing what he thinks is correct. Because, I mean, that's that's another great thing about the Joker and specifically the killing joke is that that's just the way he views the world and he thinks he's right on it and wants to be validated by it. And if if Batman fell in, into the abyss that Alfred speaks about where there's no more line between who he'll kill and who he won't kill, th- then what are we doing here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and in this setting too, that's like what you said about the mask. It's it's incredibly powerful. If you look at any movie that has to do with an artist, any type of person doing art, it's always you're watching like a biography essentially about them in their life, but then it's like almost all these art movies, any so anyone you watch, they'll have just a slow down cut of just paintings or a painting. And that's the whole point is it's like that cow is that is who that person actually is. It isn't the person you're seeing. It isn't all the tragedy. All of that and more goes into the actual art that they're doing. And so that is his craft is being Batman is being that sort of mm-hmm. evil figure that does what other people can't do, but isn't fully gone. And while while pretty he, pretty powerful, pretty pretty hard, dude. And all all of this is going on in while he's uh, well in in ten ten years previous to where we are right now. All of this is going on, and he's he's battling with the idea of if he should do this vigilante stuff or if he should just marry her and settle down. And you know that it's just never gonna work for Bruce Wayne. You know, there is no situation where Bruce Wayne just gets to be a fun billionaire. You know, he doesn't he doesn't spend his Christmas Christmas Eve's with Alfred, you know, over a huge fire. He spends them out there fighting crime, dude. And it's, it's it's so interesting. And I feel like this review is kind of just talking about Batman as a culmination as a whole, because Mask of the Phantasm to me really is just the perfect Batman movie. If you want to understand the character of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it's it's the quintessential Batman movie for sure. And you you made the point that, you know, Luke, that you don't think it's somebody that it's a movie that somebody that's not super into Batman should watch, but I'd, I'd kind of counter that. And I think if you want to get, if you're not that big of a Batman fan and you want to get sort of a good uh, taste of who Batman is and, you know, sort of how he operates. I, I actually think that this is a really good movie for that, but, but we can agree to disagree. I, well, I think you made some really strong points about fight. why. <laughs> well, no, no, I, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I agree with that for sure that this is a good movie to actually when we were watching it, I wanted to ask you guys if you thought it was a good introduction to the character, because I agree with you, Houston, that this movie does put Batman on display for people to kind of understand why he functions a little bit differently than other superheroes. But 
you know, I feel like with with the flashback stuff, if you don't really understand the significance of it and, you know, the Joker coming in at 40 minutes, you know, that can totally be seen as like, of course, the Joker's here. They can't make a Batman movie without the Joker. Like, I feel like it's it's not so much that it's a bad movie to show to people who don't love Batman, but a lot of the context to why it's so um, interesting to who Bruce Wayne is might fly over the heads of somebody who doesn't really understand why I personally think Batman is so different than other superheroes. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and a lot of, I feel like typically when you see Batman, it's almost always a question of sort of trying to define or redefine who Batman is, you know, like that's the whole point of the Joker is break your moral rule, break mm. your code so so that I can have my way and be the winner. But this one, it really is a focus on Bruce Wayne as a human being, which is, I think, totally unique in all the other ones to the extent and how far they go showing that, mm. you know, the one with uh, Michael Keaton doesn't. It feels more like a movie about the Joker than it does Batman, if you really think about it. Right. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree. And so, like, having that dynamic is definitely, I think, out there if you try to compare it to other Batman movies. Like, even the Christopher Nolan one, which are fantastic movies, those don't really wrestle with that question, I think, as heavily as this one does. No, I think you're right. You know, because something that I sort of noticed organically as you were saying that was that Gotham City is usually a, a main character in mm-hmm. most Batman media, right? Hundred percent, bro. Hundred percent. And 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 the and the events going around Gotham City, the whatever that's happening in Gotham City. Gotham City really isn't at the forefront of this movie. It kind of is sort of, it's, it's kind of the backdrop. It's just, it's just where the events are taking place. And so, you know, a lot of people might criticize that because, you know, Gotham City being a main character is sort of, uh, you know, the lifeblood of a lot of Batman movies. It drives a lot of the events in Batman movies. But I think the fact that it isn't taking center stage in this movie kind of gives a lot of room for us to really focus on the personal psyche of not just Bruce Wayne, but the Joker, Alfred, and the Phantasm slash Andy. Yo, mm-hmm. facts, dude, and quick sidebar, although Gotham City isn't that character you're talking about, my God, does it look beautiful in this movie, oh, dude. Oh, it looks gorgeous. For 1993, gorgeous. that CGI animated stuff in the opening looked so good, dude. I could not believe it, and the action in this movie is so beautiful. And, dude, I okay, it was a little goofy when Batman was, like, watching um, Arthur cuck him with, like, the binoculars in the rain. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, a, 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 little, a little goofy, but still, like... That like just the aesthetic of it is like so great and it perf perfect backdrop. It was the point I was just trying to make, dude. That like ah, I just love it so much. That, and that, I mean the visuals in that movie, that aesthetic is because it's like modern day, but it isn't. Right, right. You've got like police helicopters, but they're like blimps. It's yeah, yeah it's, and, it, and you've got like 1960s cars rolling yeah, around. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. Automatic revolvers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how it's timeless. I, I, I really do. And um, ah, dude, I, I like I don't I I don't even know where to go, bro, because like it's, it's, it's just, overwhelming. It's it's overwhelming. And it, I love that it also isn't like Batman year one. 
You know, I, I love that we're grounded 10 years in the future, right, where Batman the Animated Series takes place so that we know that Batman's been doing it for, for a hot second. You know, it's not yeah. like it's not like she just got out of his life. It's not like he just made the decision to be Batman. He's been doing it for a while and he understands his moral code. And all of a sudden she shows up and everything is thrown on its head and he has to ask himself again, is there a point to me doing this? And that's part of the uniqueness where this one seems to have a bit of destiny in it because we see him very willingly trying to change out of that Batman identity where I can't think of one where we actually see him do that. Like even in Christopher Nolan's, you get this, yeah, I'll change it, Alfred, but he never really wants to. We all know he doesn't want to. He'd rather be Batman. That's just the fact where he just would have stopped. Right. <laughs> Doesn't stop. And in this one, he countlessly tries to stop, but every time he tries to stop, it's like, nope, you got to do it. Nope, right. you can't do nope, it. I made a vow. Yep. Yeah. The yeah. vow is more binding to him in like a mystical sense, in a practical sense, the way it pushes it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like, it, again, that, like what Luke has been talking about throughout this this whole conversation is, you know, we get to see what kind of person Bruce Wayne slash Batman really is, you know. He can't stop being Batman because he made a vow to his at his parents' tombstone that he was going to do this. And, you know, he we talk about how he's still, I mean, in Mask of the Phantasm, still troubled by the loss of his parents when he was a kid and so troubled that he makes a vow that he feel like feels like he cannot break. Yeah. Um, And yeah, that's just another sort of example of the conviction behind Bruce Wayne as a as a character. Great film. It's, Great film. It's just a phenomenal film, dude. And even in the scenes when he is Batman, what he, I, I felt like he was aggressive in this movie too, more so than he is in other times. Like um, when he busts into Alfred's, ho- not Alfred, Arthur's hospital room um, and, and he's laughing. He's, he's being quite aggressive in that scene, dude. And even at the end, uh, I love how, how, how they expression his mask, dude. Like when, when, yeah. she, when, she, when she confronts him at the end, um, I, I, I wrote down the quote cause I, I loved it so much. What was it? She's like, um, um, yeah, uh, Batman says, but Andy, what will vengeance solve? And she says, if anyone knows that answer to, if anyone knows the answer to that, it's you, Bruce. And his, his, his bad oh. cowl eyes go down a little bit. <laughs> he gets a little sad, but she's right, dude. And like the vengeance is such a thin line into the abyss. And I just, honestly, it's hard for me to think of an easier way to get that idea from Batman in such a quick way because like you can play the Arkham games because the Arkham games kind of uh touch upon this idea a lot specifically with the Joker and like even the whole point of Arkham City is that like he couldn't save the Joker in the end spoiler been out since like 2011 whatever but um like the vengeance itself of Batman is so unique and it's such an easy way to get into that character and understand it and watching this movie that you don't need to play 40 hours of the Arkham games to get this idea or you don't need to watch nine hours of the Nolan films to maybe get the idea or God forbid watch what like eight hours of Schneider stuff to watch Batfleck murder people like this one is a really... You know what, Houston, you're you're right. This is definitely a really good movie to show somebody if you want to get them into the character of Batman. I just think you really have to have a conversation like this where you talk about the context of it and why it's cooler than an average uh like animated movie, dude. 
Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Well, and you know, just the 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 Snyder stuff. It's just you know, I, I would almost consider that in its own genre, like the 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 super slow mo really muted color scheme of those Snyder movies. That, I mean, that's all, that's honestly on its, in its own genre. That could be called like Snyder superheroes or something because <laughs> it's just like not only in the art style, but just in, in the way it, it takes the characters. It's just completely like we've talked about antithetical to these characters we've come to know and love because, you know, we talk about it, like everybody has their Batman, you know, like people that grew up in the fifties and sixties, you know, it's going to be the Batman that was the Adam West TV show, you know, the live action Adam West TV show. That's their Batman. Our Batman is, is, is Kevin Conroy. Oh, facts. And I'm so thankful for that, dude. I'm so thankful for that. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why I think it's so hard for us to, to accept, you know, Zack Snyder's rendition of Batman is because it's just, yeah, it's it's not what we grew up with, and that's always going to be more significant. And just a comparison, those two Batmans, ours is infinitely darker, yeah, than that Batman. Yet you uh, you wouldn't classify it as dark because that show has so many funny moments in it, right? You know, it's not <laughs> it's right. that even this movie, like Luke was just talking about the mask, like it's yeah. not just you know, doom and gloom right. that we get from a lot of it now. It's like, like, no, you can, you can be educated and right. show more than one emotion in a movie for <laughs> yeah. a superhero character. Yeah. No, exactly. Dude, dude, it comes down to the writers actually understanding, understanding and caring about the character. And I like, dude, um, I re- recently, they put out an, an 18 film Blu-ray collection and I asked for it for Christmas. My mother got it for me. Thank you, Ma. I know you're listening. I love you. But dude, it's, it's, there's 18 Batman films in there. And I can tell you for a fact, they are not all the same quality as Mask of the Phantasm. Killing Joke was in the uh, thing, and I might just throw the disc out out, out my window because I never want to watch that movie again. But like, you look at a movie like that, or um, I'm I'm not thinking of any of the ones that are specifically bad besides the Killing Joke. But there's animated Batman movies that didn't put the care into the character to make it cool enough for anyone to like it. You know, that's another thing I think it comes down to is that this isn't just a good Batman movie; it's a good movie. Period. Mm, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. It wasn't just selling a three-dimensional figure. You're getting the three-dimensional characters you want in any story. Wow, that was beautiful. Did you just come up with that? <laughs> no, I got off Tumblr. Uh, <laughs> wow, I just my respect just went like the no, stock I was, market. Like I it was, just went shooting up, and then it just shot down was, after you said Tumblr. I was, I was gonna say Google. Holy I was gonna say Google Plus, but I couldn't remember the plus part. <laughs> it was like Google something. I was like, you know what? No Tumblr. That's not even a thing anymore. Yeah, was it below a GIF of Lana Del Rey smoking a cigarette? Because I just know. It was. That's Tumblr. Right? <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> yeah. Mar- <laughs> pale, pale pink background. <laughs> My God. We digress. We digress. Uh, <laughs> it's this is this is a good movie, a great Batman movie, and like you know, don't don't just ignore it because it's animated. You know, don't be like, well, I'm only gonna watch the Dark Knight movies because they're cool and they got live action, like. Now, if you like Batman and you haven't seen Mask of the Phantasm, then you might not like Batman as much as you think you do. Hot take, hot take. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, the the Batman, the Nolan version, um, 
it's important to note that that those movies really serve as like they show mastery of technique. That is the Nolan technique being applied to that movie, that universe. And it, it does an incredible job and makes some incredible movies. It could be not Batman, could be anybody, right? For that to still be a good movie, it's very deep, it's incredibly philosophical. It doesn't hearken maybe to the truest form of the character, but in the format that Nolan was working with, he made it flawlessly. And so it's it's sort of there can be a lot a lot of the best Batman movies mm. just because when that type of thing happens where a director's like, you know what? I'm going to do it the way I do movies and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, except if you're Zack Snyder or Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They think, "Oh, people don't Money. Want, they, they don't they don't want to see Batman. They want to see my They're Batman. See like, Tim Batman." No, yeah. they don't. They don't. No, yeah, <laughs> no, you're they're... not as good as Christopher Nolan. You haven't mastered it. <laughs> Please don't destroy what I like. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even think I wa- I've ever seen the first live-action Michael Keaton Batman movie all the way through or the Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer one either. I think I started at, and this is going to be hilarious. I think the first like live action Batman movie I saw was the one with with the Poison. Arnold and uh, Uma Thurman as Poison the Ivy. Bat, bat nipples in the back car with the with the nipples, the, the the one with all the nipples. But then the Batgirl outfit doesn't have nipples, which is weird. Sorry, it just felt weird to me. I was um I, I was hoping you were gonna say Batman Forever because that movie is actually fire. But yeah, Bat Bat Batman and Robin really ruined it. And I mean, those you know, dude, even great toys. Even even to juxtapose it farther with those ones, like those ones came out way closer to Mask of the Phantasm, and it's clear that those ones were way more cash grabby than the guys over here doing the animated series who actually grew up reading Batman and wanted to tell cool stories about a character that they loved you know i, I feel like yeah. i feel like that's that's the difference in like those tim burton movies were like yeah batman 1989 and batman returns aren't like not fun to watch but you know th- that's like a different batman compared to this batman you're there for puns yeah you're there for puns <laughs> <laughs> It was yeah. It was like they were remakes of that campy, goofy 1960s series with Adam West as Batman. That's that's what those Tim Burton they were they were meant to mimic that that series and the comics. Like you could just tell that it just looks like those Tim Burton ones yeah. look like a comic book come to oh, life. Oh yeah, they look incredibly animated in an abominable fashion. It, it's like. like- it's like, oh, I know Batman from back in the day. Like, no, you didn't. Like, <laughs> well, you yeah, clearly, have, have, clearly have, haven't caught off. It was a comic book. Have you have you have you ever heard how uh, have you ever heard how Joel Schumacher described his Batman movie? He, <laughs> no. he he called it a pop culture opera. It's it's a moving comic book. It's a pop culture opera, and I I think that's a really funny. That was term. the director of. He was the director of Batman and Robin, right? Uh, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. And so the kind of briefly the story is that like um, Batman Returns was way too dark and evil and Danny DeVito biting people's noses off. So they wanted to bring in Joel Schumacher (laughs) to make it a lot more kid friendly. And so his idea was that he was going to make a moving comic book. So 
a lot of the time people are like, oh, that one just has Jim Carrey and he's ridiculous in it. But that was kind of the point. It was like a, a heightened reality type movie and it came across really well. But then Batman and Robin, again, dude, reiterating this point about having to actually care about the characters is that like for Batman and Robin, all of that care to it was gone. And it's just Arnold making ice puns. <laughs> yeah. it, it comes back to that age old point we make of if you actually dedicate yourself to the movie, and where it becomes itself 100%, it'll probably be good. It'll probably be entertaining to watch. But if you just don't care, that's going to reflect in everything that happens in the movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, anything else you want to add? I just got to say about Batman and Robin. Like, uh, <laughs> Go for uh, it. The, the lady with the plants with the ice dude, really? Those are the people that teamed up? Like, Don't they have... They, those are completely competing goals, right? That's just another uh, stupid aspect of those movies. The ice guy versus the plant lady. Come yeah. on, with with the plant lady, not versus with. <laughs> <laughs> nah, and oh, and and Bane's in that one too. Don't don't forget that Bane tags along in that Bane one too. Bane is bro. in that completely one. forgot because why? It's is like Snyder didn't, didn't realize the issue of oh, adding too many characters too quickly makes a bad movie. What a concept. <laughs> Strange. No, exactly. Two hours isn't long enough for six characters to get fully developed? Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta go back to the drawing board on some of my stuff. <laughs> no, nah, man, but to kind of just wrap up my point, I feel like our conversation kind of focused on Batman as a whole rather than just Mask of the Phantasm. But honestly, I don't have a problem with that because I think Mask of the Phantasm is about Batman as a whole rather than just a sectioned off story about Batman, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to say, closing it up here, um, Mask of the Phantasm, it's, uh, well, to put it short, it's an unparalleled animated film. It initially suffered in the theatrical release, um, but you got to consider that it was one of the first, it might have been the first, animated films of Batman to be released in theaters with only a year, like we said earlier, to create production. And as a result, there was that initial loss in the box office, but it had an aggressive gain following its home media releases. I think there were two of them the years after, two or, two or three years after. It focuses on the tragedy Bruce Wayne has not been faced with in the animated series, a villain caught in the same emotional turmoil of facing the corruption of vigilante lifestyle. It has less to do with Batman, but who Bruce Wayne is as a person, not a vigilante. And this pretty much set the stage for defining this character for years to come with everything that's good that's made with Batman brings up that principle. The movie is a culmination of concepts made in the animated series and paved the way for greater psychological depth to be had in these stories. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Beautiful. Closing, you, closing things. Closing uh, Houston, it was great having you on. I'm glad that we great could talk about here. something we clearly both care about a lot. And I mean, this is just an awesome Batman movie. And if you like Batman, you gotta watch it. Period. End of story. Absolutely. Absolutely. One last thing I'll, I'll say about say about <laughs> Batman is <laughs> let's just call it what it is. Batman practices kung fu on the mentally ill. <laughs> let's just call it what it is. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs>
All right, so uh, thank, you thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, message us at Midnight Showing Podcast on Instagram or email Midnight Showing with Luke and Ash at gmail.com to stay in the loop for upcoming episodes and offer suggestions for the movies we watch and future content we can bring to you. Uh, be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Next week episode features Clive Owens in Croupier. Croupier? Croupier? Beer, root beer, root beer, root beer, root beer with cream. Uh, and uh, remember, we got rid of the blue lights, so we'll probably fix that outro later. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Batman loses all his powers the second the IRS on its Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cutting. I'm cutting. I'm cutting.